Welcome to Naturopathy Today. Your hosts are Dr. Michael Schwartz and Steve Langford. Join them as they guide you on a journey to good health through holistic naturopathy. Now here are Michael and Steve. Hi, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Naturopathy Today, where your guides, myself and Mr. Langford, Steve, good morning. How are you doing? Hello, Michael. I'm doing well, as always. I'm looking forward to another interesting conversation with you. Well, that makes three of us, me, myself, and you. <laughs> All right. So, you know, we talked about last week about what nutrients are good for covid and the flu season. It was really all about building your immune system. So I thought we might start off today with giving people a heads up as to what to look for in terms of emergency warnings, so to speak, even though I did see that two things are taking place with COVID. Number one, it seems to be coming down. And did you hear about the new variant Delta Plus? Well, I've just heard by name. I don't know anything about it other than it's a concern. That makes two of us. You know, it, it was like briefly mentioned and gone until the next wave, until I guess it gets momentum. If it does get momentum, then, you know, I'm sure we'll hear more about it. But I thought we'd share some of the things that people are dealing with. And, you know, it's interesting that so many people, especially law enforcement and first responders, have opted to not get the vaccination. Now, we know it's not a real vaccination. It's an RNA blocker, which blocks the message or the blueprint from taking hold. So they have refused, as so many others have as well. So with that in mind, I thought we might share some of the things that people should look for to know that, yeah, they may be catching it. And one of them is trouble breathing. And I want to jump back to that in a minute. But another is persistent pain or pressure in the chest, new confusion. And I like, I don't know where I picked up that term, new confusion, because I think there's a lot of confusion in the country today on so many different levels. So I don't, I'm not quite sure where the new came from, but maybe it's new to the individual where they felt they had a grasp on things and now maybe not so much. The inability to stay awake and also the coloration of the skin, a pale, a gray blue, or even a blue colored skin. However, when I saw that blue colored skin symptom, it made me think of people ODing on silver. Yeah, there's only there's that one guy, I think they call him Mr. Smurf, that uh, <laughs> has turned blue because of doing too much, and which is really interesting because it's in keeping with a universal teaching of excess leads to rejection. And another teaching along those lines is everything in moderation. You know, for me, I grew up with, you know, coming in as a rep with vitamins and minerals being the key. It was only later in school that I became herbally conscious. And then as you come out into the world and start your practice and what you learn in school, and I'm sure you would validate this, at least I hope you do. <laughs> what you learn in school is theory and practical reality is another matter altogether sometimes. Have you found that to be true? Well, I certainly found that early on in my experience that perhaps 
I was overly optimistic, um, perhaps too simplistic in my approach. And over time, experience and wisdom lead us to deeper understanding. So Amen. while I might have been right and found like the blind dog finding a bone uh, did have success, but it was actually the feedback from people who were experiencing the benefits of what I had recommended that really started to solidify those things which I thought were particularly valuable and those which I didn't use very much. So it was an education over time. Absolutely. You know, when I started my practice, and again, theory and reality, I kept meticulous notes on every client. One, to validate that what I was taught was true and, and viable. And the other is to see, especially when it came to the herbs, what worked, what didn't work, what potencies. And that was the foundation for the company because I went back to my notes and that's what I based all of my products on. That aside, one of the troubling things about COVID is the ongoing breathing issues, the respiratory issues. There's a lot of lung issues and brain fog. So I thought we might share with the people today some nutrients and what they could do to help rebuild the lungs, so to speak, clean out the lungs and nourish the brain. So uh, what would you start with, Steve? From well, I would start with a question for you, Michael. Okay. Um, <laughs> do we have any ideas of why some people experience these lingering long-term effects versus others? Is there anything in, that we can look to in terms of lifestyle, pre-existing conditions? Are there any things that give us clues that we as individuals might look at? Oh, I have this history, therefore I'm susceptible. Or is it who knows why some people have these effects and some people don't? Do you have any guidance on that? Absolutely. In fact, Steve, I have opinions on everything. And <laughs> I'm gracious enough to be willing to share them across the board. So here's my take on why some people get sick to begin with, why some have <laughs> lingering effects, and why some actually expire. So we'll begin with why do some people get sick? Obviously, I think we may have covered this before, but in terms of lifestyle, the first place I would go would be the diet by eating let me rephrase that, by not eating a living food diet and organically grown foods at that, then what the people are doing is one, not nourishing their body, not building their immune system and bringing toxins into the body, the preservatives, the additives, the colorings, the stabilizers, all of those things that come into the body end up corrupting cells. So now we have a weakened individual, a weakened immune system. On top of that, from another point, lifestyle, you know, some of us are executives, we run businesses, we're management, middle management, whatever. And all of us have stress and stress taxes the body yet again. One of the, you know, the stress centers, the adrenal glands are compromised. When they are, and we've talked about this before, I think, you know, is that how the blood pressure goes up, the immune system goes down, and blood sugar regulation is out the window. So we talked about nourishing the adrenals, panathenic acid, B6. Stress 
because I was thinking about this, what is it that causes stress? And my definition is stress is the result of how you respond to what you see and hear. As an example, the kids are teenagers and it's 10 o'clock at night and the phone rings. The first thing your mind does is it goes to, oh my God, something is wrong. That stimulates the adrenals to secrete adrenaline, which gives you that rapid heartbeat and that queasy feeling in the stomach. It's the same result you get when a police car pulls up behind you with a little whoop whoop on the siren and flashing red lights. Your body, based on sight and sound, have a biochemical reaction. And it is that reaction that disrupts the balance and harmony or the homeostasis of your body from a nutritional point of view. Does that kind of answer your question from one level? What it says to me is that a person that is conscientious about their lifestyle, diet, management, of stress and so on is likely to do better. And those people, and we all know that so many people really don't dig deep into how to do that. So just our our lifestyle and our choices make us more susceptible. Would that be a fair Absolutely. understanding of what you're recommending? Absolutely. What I would do is I would take it one step further by examining the stress in one person's life. And the way to do that is make a list on a blank sheet of paper. I'm real big about lists. And make a on a blank sheet of paper, the left-hand column, what is it that stresses you out? And it could be something as mundane as the kids not picking up their clothes <clears throat> or your significant other not putting the cap back on the toothpaste. So it could be the gamut or the way your boss talks to you or traffic going to work. Whatever it is, make a list on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side of the paper, why does that cause you stress? What is it about that that bothers you? And where did you learn to be aggravated about that? Because you learned it somewhere. And yes, you can say, well, no, I developed that attitude on my own. And the truth of the matter is, our mind is kind of like a biocomputer. And we are programmed as soon as we begin to enter into the fetus within the womb, the programming begins by you feel the vibration from mom. So the brain, you're constantly learning. And we're still learning, as you brought up earlier, Steve. You know, we're still learning. So you really need to understand where you learned, what you learned, and from who. Who were you emulating? Because maybe mom gets bent out of shape about these things, or maybe it's dad, or maybe both of them. So you really need to understand that because the stress and the lifestyle undermine the individual and set them up for dying. Well, I imagine that we're going to have to have a show on stress and maybe <laughs> delve into that more deeply. I've taken us a little off topic today. So thank you for that explanation. And I think people should take it to heart. What you've said is part of prevention is preparation. You oh, absolutely. Do, do this as part of your lifestyle in order to reduce your risk going forward of any or all of these things. That's our hope. And so whether it be COVID or flu or something else, the better prepared we are through lifestyle and choice, the better we're going to transition through these things mostly. 
So I'm guessing that what you're leading up to here is that people who aren't prepared are going to deal with some of these longer term issues more likely. Absolutely. You know, I was thinking in my books, I have a the four P's plan, prepare, project, provide, although they're more about facing life. And we'll get into them at some other point because they're not appropriate for our discussion now. But they are really valid ways that that I work as well. And it does help one be prepared to deal with whatever comes one's way. Because everything from another point of view is, is understanding what the elements or the energies are that you need to deal with. So anyway, those people with a weakened body, a corruptible lifestyle, what I mean by that is one that is corrupting their body, not that they're corrupt, but you know, it's working against them. So the things that I would say in terms of getting better and staying healthier once you do get better would be to really examine the lifestyle, give up what's unnecessary, reevaluate your values, your standards, your guides, and really examine your diet. Because the cliche of you are what you eat and you are what you think are vital in terms of good health. Now, let's get into fixing the lungs. The first thing that comes to my mind, whenever I think of lung issues, respiration, I always think of phlegm and mucus. So obviously, we go back to the medical approach. When you got sick as a kid and your mom took you to the doctor, the first thing they always said was cut out the dairy. Why? Because it makes phlegm and mucus. So that's step number one, you know, diminish the amount of dairy. From an herbal point of view, I would recommend, um, I, I almost said comfrey. Remember when, when fenugreek and comfrey was the absolute best combination for getting rid of phlegm and mucus? I do. And I have a history that goes way back of using fenugreek tea in particular at those times with great success. Yeah, fenugreek is fabulous. So you got fenugreek. I also, slippery elm is fabulous. Actually, the Native Americans used to make a, um, a gruel out of slippery elm and some other herbs that they would feed to anybody who got sick. And the beauty of slippery elm is, is that it will boil up the mucus and almost pull it into the bloodstream so that you can end up literally urinating it out. So I also think about whorehound, pleurisy root, mullein, which is also excellent for the lungs. So those are some of the things that I think an individual would benefit from bringing in to keep the lungs clear. I think that would also be good for COPD. Would you add anything to it? Well, I think that list of herbs is profound. And from what I know about these herbs, they're not only soothing, a lot of people think of them when you've got chest congestion, a hot cup of tea is soothing, but what you've alluded to there is they actually have some physiological benefits beyond just being relaxing. They can actually help our body function more efficiently as it's trying to overcome and heal from any of these kinds of episodes. And I think that's probably my takeaway is that your body always wants to heal 
And these herbs that you've described actually help facilitate that process. Am I right on understanding that? Oh, absolutely. In fact, some of those herbs are the foundation of some of the today's modern drugs. Herbs are, you know, they, they are soothing, they are nourishing, they're toning, they're therapeutic. However, I do not believe, and I use herbs in everything I do, as you well know. However, I do not believe that herbs alone are enough sustenance to heal a situation. Uh, with the lungs, obviously, you need to make sure that you have, because they're kind of muscular driven, so you need to make sure you have your minerals in there as well, the calcium and magnesium or as supporting nutrients. Well, you know, we covered some of those nutrients in the previous episode where we talked about things like vitamin A, D, C, zinc. These are the kinds of things that we might suggest that people are using on a regular basis in a more modest amount. And then the herbs perhaps and the higher doses of some of these nutrients are then brought into play when we're starting to experience some of these symptoms. Absolutely, right? absolutely, okay. absolutely. So I would do that. Moving on to brain fog, you know, one of the things that occurs to me about brain fog and, you know, not being clear in one's mind, confusion, is really a lack of fuel. And the fuel for the brain, number one, is oxygen. You know, 20 to 25% of all the oxygen we inhale, the intelligence of the body relegates 20, like I said, 20, 25% to nourish the brain. The catch 22 is that cardiovascular disease is still outside of COVID, our number one killer, which tells us that people have clogged arteries. They're not getting enough blood to the blood brain barrier, which means they're not getting enough oxygen to the blood brain barrier. They're not getting enough neurotransmitters or even the precursors to neurotransmitters into that environment. So yeah, if you got a brain that's starving, malnourished, not only are you going to be confused, you're going to have fog because you can't you can't get to a place of clarity. Is this, Michael, um, an issue in particular when people are starting to experience this trouble breathing? Is this trouble breathing then contributing to um, a reduced amount of oxygen that we're actually able to receive, and that translates into less oxygen throughout the body, including the brain? Excellent point. Absolutely. You know, because they're sedentary, we're not exercising, so we're not oxygenating the body. So in essence, we're not nourishing the mind, either with its key nutrient or any of the other supportive nutrients. So absolutely, you're right on the money. Continue on, my man. <laughs> so for the brain, the other things I would look at would be cola, ginkgo biloba, obviously lecithin, because it'll break down and provide the acetylcholine. Uh, you could also look at phosphatidylcholine and the ginkgo biloba and go to cola are great oxygen carriers. And of course, niacin, niacinamide, because niacin also emulsifies cholesterol and it will, as a vasodilator, open up the arteries and bring more blood to the blood-brain barrier. Of course, you have to watch out for and just be mindful if you're doing straight niacin, ever famous niacin flush. Well, you know, I certainly, as I age, find that my mind isn't working quite as well 
and I forget things a little more easily. One of the things that I've added, and I wonder what you think about this for brain health, is omega-3s. It seems like it's so mm. common. Is this something that people should make sure that they have as a foundational nutrient if they're dealing with brain fog? Absolutely, because it's part of the building material of the brain. This is you know, another issue that just occurred to me when you said about the unsaturated fatty acids made me think in terms of cholesterol which is such a building material. And yet we have the statin drugs and red yeast rice and low fat foods, but cholesterol is essential for good health. And yet the whole medical community is diminishing it and telling people, you know, don't bring in so much. But the catch 22 is the triglycerides are what create problems more often than not. And the catch 22 there is that because the way the body works, all of the chemicals that are in the food, the cosmetics, the air, the water, the drinks we drink, the commercial drinks, when those chemicals get into the bloodstream and get to the liver, what the liver seeks to do is render them harmless. What cannot be rendered harmless ends up getting stored in the fat. So that's, you know, there's, that is one of the causes of obesity that fights the virus that creates obesity. So taking care of the lungs and taking care of the brain situation. The last thing that I want to touch on before we end the day or this particular session till next week, since this is a podcast, you can listen to it more than once. <laughs> because I know Steve and I both talk fast. We share a lot of information. So keep a pad and pencil nearby. And that way you can, you know, you'll get what you need. Well, next week, what we will do is get into potencies. I don't know that we covered that when we, I think we did when we covered the ACs, uh, ACD and zinc. Yes, um, we did. Okay, we did. Next week, to make life easy about the herbs we talked about today, you probably ideally want to get in about 200, 250 milligrams of an herb two to three times a day for most herbs. Try to avoid the stimulants like ephedra, mahuang, anything with caffeine because it's not necessarily good for your system. Anything that's a central nervous system stimulant is not healthy. It'll wear down your adrenals and you'll create other issues. Look to 250 as being the max and no more than three caps a day at that level. Steve, that's all I have. Is there anything you'd like to sign off with, so to speak? Well, I'm going to have to just contain myself, Michael, because every <laughs> time I hear you speak, it just always raises thoughts and questions. But I'm willing to save those for our next episode as well. We've covered a lot today <laughs> and people can listen to all of our episodes. And if they're new to us with this episode, go back and check out the beginnings of Naturopathy today. It'll set a foundation for you. So so for today, I'm real good, Michael. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So everybody, here's a universal teaching to think on. Every end is a new beginning. And so this session comes to an end. And next week, we'll have a brand new beginning to take your understanding levels higher and deeper simultaneously. Until then, be well, God bless, and have a fabulous everything. Take care. So long, folks. It's been good. We'll see you next episode. 
Thank you for listening to Naturopathy Today, sponsored by MNP, Michael's Naturopathic Programs, at michaelshealth.com. Join us every Monday for the latest episode in this journey to excellent health on all levels.